Wednesday night, 80 to 65 over Vanderbilt, taking care of business uh, in Nashville, a place where it had been difficult for Auburn to win. They've now won three out of their last four in Memorial Gym. Before then, it was a 10 game losing streak. And I think every time you see the baseline benches and the weird architecture of Memorial Gymnasium, if you're an Auburn fan, you're probably like, oh boy, here we go. And then obviously, last year's memories of the buzzer beater are probably still fresh in your mind. Uh, but guys, Auburn just goes and takes care of business. Was it perfect? And I think part of that is part of the kind of charm and appeal of this team right now and on as we're talking on January 18th that it, it it feels like they haven't hit their ceiling yet. You know, there's always a talking about like peaking too soon, wanting to play your best basketball, you know, at the right time. This is a team that's won 10 straight games by double digit points during a time where a lot of other teams are losing. And yet, I'm sure you've probably watched this team and you're sitting here thinking like, yeah, this thing could still get better. And I think the Vandy game was a pretty good example of that. Uh, Auburn starting 4-0 in SEC play. The last two teams for Auburn to start 4-0 both won the SEC title. Not saying that's going to be a guarantee. It's going to be a fight to the finish, but it's a pretty good omen. Dan, like this this, this Vandy game, I think, was another classic example of like how Auburn can win in a variety of ways. This one, defense and front court play. Didn't get a ton of scoring from your backcourt in this game. Didn't get the usual assist, assist that Auburn usually gets from their guys at guard, but they scored 80 against a really slow-paced team away from home. That's that's not something to just breeze past, I think, if you're Auburn. And I think you mentioned in your observations, Justin, that Bruce Pearl spent a lot of the post-game radio uh, talking about the things in the second half that didn't go well for Auburn, the things that he's concerned about. And I don't I don't want to I don't want to be overly critical on this show because we're talking about a 4-0 team that has built huge leads in every conference game so far. I mean, even even the A&M game, right? Like they had to rally back, but um I mean th- this is a uh, this is a team that's played extremely well. Now having said that, you've had two second halves now where Auburn has built leads that feel insurmountable and then you've had the other team put a real scare into you with the way they played. LSU, Auburn was up 28 in the second half. LSU got that back down to single digits. And then what happened in Memorial Coliseum on uh, on, on Wednesday night, I remember the years when Auburn could not win at Memorial. And part of that was because of the state of Auburn basketball. Part of that mm-hmm. was because of the state of, of Vanderbilt basketball. I think people who remember – the Jeff Lebo era well and the, the Tony Barbie era well. Like it, 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 Kevin Stallings is someone who gives you nightmares with the way that his Vanderbilt right. teams would play, especially at home against uh, against Auburn. So, so I, I think that to, uh, to, 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 I would not take the success for granted against Vanderbilt, but at the same time, uh, you have things that you suspect against a better opponent. I, I believe right. is it correct that Auburn has Auburn does not have a quad one win. Uh, to this point because of uh, the, the way some of the – like you would think that at Arkansas, I mean, I would have guaranteed you before the season started that a win at Arkansas to begin conference play would be enough for a quad one win. Arkansas has struggled to the point where that's not the case. I would have thought A&M at home would have the potential to be a quad one win. That's not the case either. So we'll see Auburn against – you know, what we thought, we, we thought it was going to be kind of a crowded top tier 
in the SEC this season remains to be seen, but we're about a third of the way through league play, and I would say that Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, and Auburn are your top tier of the SEC. That's the class of the league. And Auburn has not seen any of those other three. In fact, nobody from that group has seen any of the other teams from that group. I think the first time any of these homes, these teams will get together, unless Tennessee-Kentucky is this weekend, and I don't think it is. It's Tennessee-Bama this weekend. Tennessee-Bama. Okay, Tennessee-Bama is this yeah. weekend. And then and then Bama uh, hosts Auburn. Is that right? On, uh, mm-hmm. on, uh, Wednesday. Ne- on Wednesday night next week. And, and what a what a scene Phenomenal. that's going to be. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be top tier. And yeah, I think the thing with the Auburn team is – there's a lot to get better. Let's start with some of that. We'll start with kind of the the negatives, the nitpicking uh, on our Auburn. The fouls are still a thing that you've got to kind of worry about, especially in the second half. Um, this Vanderbilt team shot a ton of free throws in the second half, twenty five to be exact. It was really the whole the only way Vandy was going to hang in this game because Auburn's defense really locked them down. There was a over a ten minute stretch in the first half where, you know, tennis or sorry, Vanderbilt had four points and, you know, only hit two shots from the field. The second half, it was a lot more of, hey, they were getting they were getting fouls, uh, a lot of fouls away from the basket. They got into the bonus quick, they got in the double bonus quick, and they kind of hung there that way. I, I did think one of the funniest events of the season so far. Was the Vanderbilt player in the first half kicking his leg out to get a foul on the three pointer? He's kicking his leg out on the three pointer. He gets fouled. He goes to the free throw line and misses all three. This dude's like an eighty percent three uh, free throw shooter, and it was like the ultimate Rasheed Wallace moment right there with the ball with ball don't lie for sure. But this Auburn team on defense in the second half, like look, naturally offenses are going to be better in the second half than they are in the first half. You're right in front of your own bench. The communication is better. You've learned more. You've adjusted. Yada yada. yada. Teams are more tired. It takes more energy to play defense than offense. It's natural for your defense to not be as good in the second half as it is in the first half. That's just it's just what happens. Auburn has gotten some issues with some communication breakdowns and with some fouling. They got to tighten up on that. Also, it's like, damn, we've talked about this before. This team gets leads, and it's kind of just human nature when you start rolling to just throttle it down a little bit. And I think this team, not as much of the energy and effort, I just feel like they get a lead. And I'm not saying they're trying to like showboat or time, but you see guys kind of going after their buckets a little bit more, trying to put, you know, trying to maybe force things a little bit, trying to go a little highlight reel a little too often. And I think Pearl's trying to tamp down on that because you're going to need a good 40 minutes to beat a team like. Alabama or Tennessee or Kentucky, and you just don't want that to become a habit. Even though I think if Auburn's ever up by you know nineteen in the second half on Alabama, it's it would be quite an accomplishment. It's like the problem that Mike Leach would have in the second half of games when Texas Tech or Mississippi State or Washington State had comfortable leads, because I guess you could go against your nature and start slowing it down and trying to run. 25 to 30 seconds off the clock on every possession. But one, you're not really comfortable doing that as a team because it's so different from what you try to do on offense uh, in, in your in, in, in other situations. And I mean, if you put your backups in, here's the other point is if you put your backups in, how, how ready are they becoming for starting action if they're running an offense that's totally different 
than the one that you may otherwise sure. employ. So I, I understand why Bruce Pearl is reluctant to put on chew clock mode, you know, in the in the 14 minute mark of, of these games. And it's not it's, it's easier said than done. But it is something that I mean, you you would if Auburn has a game this year where they're up comfortably in the second half and the other team comes back and wins the warning signs will have been there because of what we've seen these. Now I don't have a solution as to what you do. I mean, do you, do you, I mean, do you work harder on running 30 seconds or as close to 30 seconds as you can off of offense? I I don't know. I I don't know if it's that or more of just, I think, you know, they just, I think Auburn kind of gets into a tendency where they don't play as selfless a basketball and they're not sharing it as much. And guys are going for going for their, their points. Cause I mean, that point you're like you're comfortable so you can start like you're not in like hey we need to run every same every single thing you know kind of locked in and i think it's a i think it's a growth opportunity for this team more than anything um here's a sign again of where auburn i think can where things can be good for them moving forward they scored 80 points on the road in a game where Chad baker mazar had five points Dever jones had three uh aiden holloway and and trey donaldson combined for four turnovers and just one assist I think Auburn could have done a better job sharing the ball and and you know hitting some of these hitting some of those looks in the second half. But like offensively, you didn't really get uh, a ton of you know it, you didn't really get a ton of production from your backcourt, and yet you score eighty away from home. And you could I mean the assist to turnover ratio wasn't what it was normally is. Your guard production wasn't normally what it is. I mean you got Aiden Holloway hitting threes and. You know, he had a really good uh, finish in traffic in, during this game. But, I mean, I think that tells you a lot about this team, that they can get better. The good news for Auburn is that Jalen Williams is continuing to play out of his mind. 7-7 um, seven seven from the field, 2-2 two of two from deep, 5-5 five of five in free throws. He had eight boards, three assists in this game, just one turnover, one foul, 21 points. His true shooting percentage over the last 10 games is over 80%. It's one of the best you're going to find in college basketball, period. We've been talking about Jalen Williams for years and years and years now, and it felt like there was a recurring conversation where it was like, yeah, I mean, he's showing flashes. If you can get that a little more consistently for him, you know, things can kind of kind of go from there. Year five, I mean, this is one of the best 10-game stretches I have seen from an Auburn player, period. He has multiple games where he has not missed a shot. I know that is one of those things that should get Auburn fans excited for what a postseason could look like or a stretch run could look like because you've got a, a really experienced guy playing like a very experienced guy, and he's such a skilled, unique player at the four, and, and we saw that on Wednesday night. The two most pointed criticisms that I've heard 